Bandwidth for this podcast is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace.com, the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. For a free trial and 10% off your new account, go to squarespace.com slash twip. This week on TWIP, a special interview episode to celebrate Independence Day here in the United States. And what better way than a discussion with two folks who just got back from a trip to historic Route 66, also known as the Mother Road. 66 is a famous highway bisecting America's heartland starting in the Great Lakes and ending in Los Angeles. Beth and Chris Finwick decided to pack up their cameras, computers, and GPS equipment and ease on down the road, taking both photographs and their own sweet time in what turned out to be over 30 days of immersion in epic Americana. All that coming your way right now on This Week in Photography. And before we get started, just a quick reminder that This Week in Photography is brought to you by Squarespace.com. They're the fast and easy way to publish a high-quality website or blog. And as we mentioned on the show before, Squarespace has announced new social widgets. They've got a new native Twitter widget. They've got a Flickr widget for bringing in multiple accounts and varied layouts. And an RSS widget that allows you to pull in feeds from almost any site. And um, this week in uh, photography's current blog, twiplog.com, is powered by Squarespace as well as contributor Joseph Lenaski's website at apertureexpert.com. And also, as it turns out, uh, Chris Fenwick's blog, um, I believe, and if not Beth's as well, but at least Chris's blog is powered by Squarespace. So... Uh, definitely encourage you to try it out if you are looking for a solution to get your blog or website going. If you'd like a free trial, you can just go over to squarespace.com forward slash twip. Um, you don't need a credit card. You can try it out. Build your website or blog. Then if you decide you like the way it fits, you'll get 10% off when you enter the offer code TWIP. That's squarespace.com forward slash twip. Okay, just a few words before we roll the interview. Just wanted to give you a quick, some quick insight into who Chris and Beth Fenwick are. I first met them during the This Week in Photography Joshua Tree workshop earlier this year. It's a workshop I did with Joseph, Joseph Lenaski, and Chris volunteered during the workshop to put together a trailer that we then shared with the, uh, the attendees at the closing ceremonies and also uh, posted it to YouTube, etc., you can find it on the blog, but uh, he did a wonderful job on that. He put that thing together in one night and blows this doors off of things that I've, I've, I've seen taken weeks or take weeks to produce. So amazing, highly skilled guy. Beth is a photographer. She loves taking pictures. Uh, she takes pictures of newborns and childbirths and, and also landscapes. And together, they are kind of like the dynamic duo couple traveling the world and taking pictures. This uh, They're on the heels. They just got back literally days ago from their latest adventure on Route 66. And I was able to shoehorn them into doing this interview. Um, I think I don't even think they unpacked yet. So uh, this is perfect timing. So before we roll the interview, just be sure to, to check out both of their websites. Chris is at chrisfenwick.com. That's F-E-N-W-I-C-K, fenwick.com. And Beth is at bethfenwick.com. Okay, we're back for a very special episode of This Week in Photography. Uh, Two of my very good friends are here with me, um, Beth and Chris Finwick. They are, if you've been following me on Twitter, you you may have come across a a tweet that I sent out a while back that was pointing to their journey down the historic Route 66, or Route 66, depending on how you want to pronounce it, in the United States. Um, So basically, they decided to pack everything up, jump in a car, and drive... Uh, the entire length of that historic highway while taking photos and blogging and shooting video all along the way. So something that many of the the TWIP listeners wish they could do, but they cannot do because they don't have time to do it. Um, But somehow they found the time in their busy schedules to do that. And they've agreed to come on the show today to talk to us about not only the history behind that that historic road, but also from a photographic or photography perspective, the challenges that they had uh, in terms of uh, staying connected while on that journey, uh, transmitting and blogging from the middle of nowhere, and 
uh, storing images and just doing all that magic stuff. So this is a really good e- episode, and uh, it's very timely because, like I said, the Route 66 is very historic in the United States. And this will be airing during the week of the 4th of July, our nation's Independence Day. So, Yay! Yay! So, welcome to the show, Chris and Beth. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's awesome to have you. So, okay. So, let's let's start off. for Before we get into the Route 66, or the Route 66, is it Root or Route? Most people say Root. Right. Uh, kind of like Root Beer. Root yeah. Beer. So, before we get into the Route 66 discussion, um, who are you? <laughs> First, who are you, Chris? Let's start with that. Uh, Chris Fenwick. Um, I'm uh, primarily a, a video editor. I've been making video and television shows for uh, about 25 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, photography uh, is a, I, I like to call it a well-funded hobby. Because hmm. it needs lots of funds, well, apparently. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and you do the video stuff, so that's... Yeah. <laughs> that ain't cheap. Yeah, yeah. so B- Beth is much more of a photographer than I am. And uh, uh, so, yeah, that's that's me. So you're the video side. Uh, and Beth, what what is your... What's your history with photography and all that good stuff? Uh, just kind of liked it ever since high school and just kept been doing it since then. I, mm-hmm. I've grown into uh, taking pictures of people uh, giving birth mm-hmm. and taking those first few images of when children are born mm-hmm. and uh, like doing travel photography. Very cool. That's your, your genre is kind of the, the kid stuff and that's a, that's two ends of the spectrum there. So when they first jump in the road, jump into the world and then also when, uh, when they you know, they're on the road. On the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The road of life and the asphalt road. Yeah. Very cool. Well, welcome. All right, so what, what's Chris? What's the deal with this this, this highway r- travel thing? You know, well, Beth and I have always liked um, traveling, and, and I think really, like, just in the last ten years, we've really begin to begun to appreciate um, uh, good, long, healthy trips. And when we decided to do Route sixty six, we we chose it mainly because it was thematic, and it's it's. Uh, it's filled with history and it's filled with um, with images, of course. But um, you know the the road, the the history of the road dates back to 1926, which is when it was established. And it was really at, in 1926, it was a collection of, of farm roads, and it was the pathway. It was the way to get from the east to the west. It was um, made famous in. Uh, the Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck, mm-hmm. and he told the story of how so many people escaped the Depression and the Dust Bowl uh, to get to California, the you know where there was plenty of opportunity. Mm-hmm. And of course, in that story, uh, they were duped. Many people were duped to you know flood the work market in California to work cheap. But yeah. the it really is an east to west travel. And uh, what had happened was those small highways and and uh, um, farm roads, that collection of roads, as it grew into, you know, the real highway, eventually it got bypassed by the interstates. Mm -hmm. And um, it is an interesting story that's kind of unique to the United States because we are good at throwing away the old. And the, the fascinating. Some would say that's progress. Right? <laughs> yeah, some people call it progress. But interestingly enough, people from all over the world come and travel Route 66. As a matter of fact, we met um, one guy who told us a story about a, a guy from Europe who said that it had been his lifelong ambition to drive Route 66, and he was finally doing it on his 66th birthday. Mm. And so. Um, Really, I would say that probably more Europeans travel Route 66 than Americans because we are really good at throwing away the old. The interesting thing is that, especially in the last few years, the thing that I find fascinating is the thing that has drawn us to this road is the very fact that we have ignored the road. Because we turned our back on it, there is this longing for the past and there's this longing for a simpler life and a simpler time. Mm-hmm. And traveling 75, 80 miles an hour down the highway isn't the best way to see America. It's kind of like going into your closet and finding stuff that, uh, you know, it's like, or going into the attic. It's like, oh, wow, I remember this thing. Yeah. Exactly. And there, and there's so much of that. There's so much of, of a simpler life. And let's face it, you know, 
we live in the Bay Area and we work really hard to make ends meet and it changes the way we look at the world around us and it is such a pleasure to get out and get away from this and to you know drive 35 miles an hour yeah. or maybe 40 ooh you yeah. know and just chill and how, how long is the road I mean, the like, road is about 20 it's 2400 and do you remember that it's 2400 miles 2400 miles yeah okay. so how long did it take you from start to finish it took us a month. A month. We took a solid month to do it. Uh, we did a couple of little tiny side trips in there. Um, a month in a car. A month in a car, yeah. Beth, how, how did you survive <laughs> a month in the car with this guy, you know, traveling down the road? It was fine. And we took turns driving so that, you know, neither of us got bored. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Wow, that's... That's a long time. Sometimes 20. some people can't sit next to another person for three hours in a plane, let alone in a car. Well, it is interesting because because you're driving so slow and, and you we are on a, a photo safari, so to speak. Yeah. We stopped a lot, you know, and we made any one of us could slam the foot on the brake and say, hey, I want to take a picture. Yeah. And See, that's important. And I think totally. it's important for a lot of people to, to sort of think about hitting the pause button because i know me i'm completely guilty whenever i'm on a in the car and i say i'm driving from san francisco to la i have point a to point b itis you know in the military they call it get home itis you just want to get to your destination and you don't want to stop you know like, the military getting home is important exactly well yeah <laughs> but it's 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 just you want to get you know forget all this stuff on the side i just want to get from point a to point b let me see how long i can go without emptying my bladder you know (laughs) it's not about the journey it's about the destination so you guys flipped it on its head oh absolutely and it became about the journey as a matter of fact uh one of the biggest advocates one of the biggest uh evangelists of of the road uh today is a guy named dan rice who owns a t-shirt business in santa monica and he is anybody who knows route 66 if you don't know Dan Rice, you need to know Dan Rice, and he is a cool guy. But he has a sign in his booth that says, um, "The journey is the destination," mm-hmm. and that's and that is really the case on Route sixty six. That's uh, like much of life. Okay, <laughs> well, so let's talk about the photography aspect of sure. this. What did you do in preparation for this trip? Um, one of the things that was. Um, unique to this trip for Beth and I um, was that we were going to be in a car most of the time. Um, a few years ago, we went to Europe for six weeks, and we did the entire trip in, with carry-on luggage. And that's a different problem. You have to pack super small. Mm-hmm. We knew that you know, the vast majority of this trip, we were going to be spreading out in a car. So we actually, it actually turned to be a different problem because we packed way too much stuff. You had to dig for stuff when you needed it? Well... That's a, that's actually another issue. When it comes to the photography, you you really need to pack your gear in a strategic way so that you're not digging for gear. Um, we've I even get down to how I'm going to pack the trunk. Mm-hmm. You know, in a, any given day of driving, the clothes go to the front of the trunk and all the gear goes to the back and the top. So I could actually open up the trunk, flip open one of the Pelican cases, and get at any lens or any bit of kit that we wanted. Got it. You know, so you you plan the car as well as the luggage. Okay. Um, we took, uh, in terms of the actual gear we took, we took a lot. We took a, a 5D Mark II and a 7D. Uh, we had four, the beauty of having both of those cameras is we can swap and trade lenses. So we have uh, four different lenses between those. Um, you know, a 7200, the... Uh, uh, 2470, the mm-hmm. 16 to 35, all of those are f2.8s, and then we have the um, the 50 millimeter 1.2, which mm-hmm. I like to call the the lens that makes all the other lenses jealous in the bag. Yeah, and um, we use that um, on one of our side trips where we went and took some baby pictures down in Texas. But um, so we have all that. We have a couple of laptops because on any given night I might be editing video and Beth is processing pictures. Mm-hmm. We have the two card readers and two battery chargers and more more batteries than we ever needed. Um, I think we had eight eight gig cards with us, and we probably because you are driving so much, we found out we really didn't need that many cards. We probably could have done it easily with four of the eight gig cards, but you know we haven't. They're small. Throw them in. Yeah. Um, Better to have them and not need them than need them and not have them. Or is it vice versa? Need them and not have them. <laughs> well, you know, it, 
it is true when you're when you're traveling, you do want to think critically about what you are carrying because there's there's really nothing dumber than carrying around a big lens that you didn't touch for mm-hmm. a month. Mm-hmm. Um, in the car, it's not that big a deal, but. On the head end of the trip, we did have to fly to Chicago before we rented the car. I was going to ask about that. So you you you, you mentioned traveling from east to west. So you flew to Chicago. Yeah, we live in the Bay Area. Sure. Yeah. So you you basically jumped over there, hung out in Chicago for a while, and then just we spent a couple of days back. in Chicago. We visited some friends there, and and then we rented um uh we rented a Chrysler 300. You know that car got so much buzz in the blog that we I'd love it if Chrysler would have sponsored this trip. <laughs> You know, it was a good car. It had a lot of elbow room, um, good good sized back seats. Uh, it was very comfortable, and that's important when you're doing that because you're going to spend a lot of time sitting there. Yeah. You know, and uh, then the other thing about traveling and, and photography that I think that we do that's a little bit unique, and I tell people this all the time when I see them walking down the road with a camera bag, is I tell them I say, you know, get rid of that bag. Hmm. That bag is just another barrier between you and a photograph. That's interesting. So so drop the bag and, and just bring a lens with you? One lens? Or, or what do you do? Well... Because a lot of people have a... People, people are afflicted if, with the... If you have multi- I gotta have everything just in case. Like, there may be this crazy praying mantis that I want to get a shot of, so I want to have my macro lens with me. You know? I'm okay with the... With, with a... a, a you know, a lens bag, but you don't want to put the body. You don't want to put your primary shooter in a bag Mm -hmm. because you, there will be many pictures that you don't take. Yeah. You know, even driving down the road, we got into this very comfortable habit of there was a pillow on, on each of the back seats and we had the 5D sat on one pillow and the 7D sat on another and we, you know, hop in the car and drop the camera in the back seat and they were always sitting there. Yeah. I, you know, we don't even put, you know, we have to the Gucci little clear uh, filter on the front, so I don't even use lens caps. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I can replace that thing. Mm-hmm. So, so you just pull it out and start shooting. Exactly. I mean, right. when we went to Europe a few years ago, I mean, literally, I'll take a DSLR, I'll carry it on the plane, and when I get on the plane, I lay it on the floor in front of me, I put my foot on top of it, and we take off. Nice. You know, because I'm going to buy another one. You can't get too worried about a scratch here or whatever. You're going to get another one. It's a tool. Right? You, totally. You know, do, imagine, Don't worry about getting your hammer scratched up. Just, <laughs> make, just hammer say, some nails. <laughs> I was just going to say, imagine if you were afraid to hit anything with your hammer. Yeah, exactly. How stupid would You're that polishing be? your hammer every night. And you're like, I'm not going to use that until I find a really special nail to hit with it. But I see people all the time on the road traveling, and, and I'll tell them, you know, there's a couple lessons I give people about travel photography. One of them is get your camera out of the bag. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're missing pictures. And the other one, and, you know, you see the pictures of us on the screen here. We get teased all the time for my one-arm portrait that yeah. we do. Yeah, and we, those are all over your blog too, right? They're all over our blog. Our friends tease us all the time. And they always go, oh, you always take the same dumb picture. I go, it's not the same. It's a different background every time, dude. <laughs> it's, it's almost the same. You look at you guys change clothes. Well, it's one a, of you is changing clothes. I change like. clothes. <laughs> I just noticed that. <laughs> but, but, you know... It, the, the thing about that, and, I, and I'll tell people this all day, I, we saw some people, there's a place in uh, Texas where they have these, um, well, there's the famous Cadillac Ranch in Amarillo, Texas, but east of Amarillo is a place called the Bug Ranch, and they have a handful of VW bugs that are buried nose, nose down into the ground. And yep. We saw these two college girls, they hopped out of their car, and they took their little point and shoots, and they went snap, 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 and they started to go away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, 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 hey, come back here. They're like, what? Who's this weird guy talking to me on the side of the road? Mm-hmm. And I said, give me your camera. Get up there with the car. And I took a picture of them with the car. And I said, mm-hmm. look, you don't want to take the postcard because you can go buy that. And I promise you there's somebody who's taken a better picture than you. Yeah. This is your memory. This is your story. And that's really what Beth and I like to do when we go on, on trips is we like to tell our story and part of that put yourself in the scene part of that is putting yourself in the scene and yeah we get teased by the one-hander so there we are at the grand canyon you're like i'm looking at these photos that are they're going by on your apple tv and it's like you're like well both of you are like where's waldo (laughs) (laughs) or or a better a better thing like uh forrest gump you remember the one scene where he's showing all these different places you guys are like all over the planet so speaking of that so 
in, in some of the previous episodes of This Week in Photography, we talked about, we've talked to different photographers about preparing for travel photography. You know, you're going to the jungle, what should you do? Or you're going to different places. Yeah, I listened to that episode. Yeah, yeah. so... You On the trip, as a matter of fact, we listened oh, to awesome, that episode. Awesome, So Should you, have listened you, to this before. You've done this, though. I mean, you've, you've gone, you guys have been all over the planet, you know, taking pictures and traveling and... Um, but contrast that with preparing for a domestic trip. Like, is are there a domestic road trip? Because I would assume that you probably haven't done road trips in other countries or have. No, no. The, the three the three big journeys that we've done were um, Australia in O2. Uh, we spent three weeks there. And we traveled around quite a bit. We drove some. And we drove through the outback. And we, um, uh, we flew around the country. Uh, we did Europe in 05 and we did you know trains and planes and automobiles literally <laughs> um and uh and this was really an, an all almost all road trip you know there is that that other that first flight and so basically when we got on that first flight we did have more bags than you would normally than we would normally feel comfortable flying with yeah. and then once we got there we actually you know those actually turned into more bags because we had packed pretty tight like for example i take a a pretty high quality you know vinton video tripod mm-hmm. and look a fluid head yeah and, yeah. and i don't have a, a road tube for that so what i did is i disassembled the tripod and i put the sticks in a duffel bag wrapped in pants then wrapped in shorts and then wrapped in t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> and then crammed in the middle of a large duffel and then the head went in a um a slightly more um robust suitcase also wrapped in stuff with other things we also carry the day bag for the tripod, and that goes in another bag. You know, so that stuff all balloons out once you get to Chicago and get the rental car. So, but in terms of like having the right gear, yeah, you want to take you want to take what you're going to use, and having some experience in in traveling a little bit helps you find out what you're going to use. Yeah, you have your back, and, and the nice thing about having the two separate packages is we always had a backup. So we had two chargers. Yeah. We had two card readers. We had a handful of firewire cables because firewire cables are notorious for going bad. Now that's that's some, that's what I want to talk about next. Before we do that, so Beth, when you were when you were on the road, you guys are shooting. You guys are pulling off at these these cool picturesque locations. What were you doing? Were you, do you guys just like pull up, park, deploy, go shoot, and then come back, or what? What was kind of going through your mind as you, or were you the person yelling out? Pull over right now. Uh, It depends on if I was driving or not. Some days I would just pull over and say, oh, we're stopping here. (laughs) You need to go talk to this guy. Yeah. Um, More dependent on who was driving or who knew. Since I did more of the research, I knew where to stop Mm -hmm. and said, oh, we should stop here. And then it's either a quick jump out and take pictures or it's a, you know, let's explore it a little bit, turn the car off, and we're going to go in and talk to this little roadside vendor, you know, and find out what the story is, where we're at. Got it. Got it. Very cool. So you, so overall, both of you, it sounds like it was a, would you, would you classify this trip as, as uh, a success or what, how did you define success? Just completing the trip? You know, it was interesting. Uh, I had a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a goal I didn't really share with many people. Beth and I talked about it. And um, I have always wanted for, for years now to get to a point where you could go to um, a small town and sit down in the local diner and become enough of – stay there long enough that you become like a local to the point where one of those old crotchety dudes sitting on the end of the – you know, counter says, Hey, California boy, what do you think about that? Uh, yeah. You know, and, and I've always thought that that would be kind of nice if you could, if you could inject yourself into a community that way. Mm-hmm. And to a certain degree, you know, we had that, you know, there was, by the time we got to, um, what was it, needles. Remember we had that nice conversation with that couple and, and they actually lived right over the border in Arizona. Mm-hmm. And they were both of, uh, you know, Mexican descent. And we had a good long talk about, you know, all of the law that's changing uh, as of July 1st in Arizona. Yeah. And it was it was really nice to have that conversation. Or or we take a guy like um, we met a guy in a, in a town called Paris Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Gary Turner. And he is a luminary of Route 66. Le- he's a legendary guy on Route 66. Yeah. And Beth was driving that day, and like she had mentioned earlier, we were driving down the road, and she just, 
slams on the brake, and she goes, you're getting out and talking to this guy. And Gary was this guy who was just standing on his chain link fence with his arm, you know, elbow over the fence. Posing, just, right? Just looking at traffic coming down. Of course, right underneath him is this big sign that says, visitors welcome. So yeah. Beth's like, you're going to talk to this guy. Yeah. Long story short, we left two hours later. Very cool. Now, when you when you did these little vignettes like that, did you just photograph him, or did you just talk to them, or did you record it and video and all, the whole thing? You know, I I try not to get let the technology get in the way of the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's times when it when it's called for and it's natural, and then there's times when it just seems out of place. Um, we shot incidentally. We shot a little bit of video with with Gary, but it. It really wasn't, you know, to really shoot video well, and this is out of the photography realm and more into my business, but to really shoot video well, you're going to be intrusive. Yeah. And you're going to take... But but granted, on top of that, you are a professional videographer, a professional shooter, so I would say you're at a disadvantage than the people that can just get out there with their iPhone camera and be okay with that. There are people who are (laughs) laughing right now that that you're calling me a professional shooter. I'm more of a director and an editor. I pay people to run the camera. Okay, gotcha. But I will say that... But your standards are higher than the people My standards are very high. And say I'm, shooting with an iPhone camera or something like that. Wow, that's brilliant. You know, you know, I had a, um, I had a, a thing happen to me about, uh, and it was it was a it was a major event in my life in my career that happened about thirteen or fifteen years ago. And I was working at a place in San Francisco called San Francisco Production Group (SFPG), and um, I walked into an edit suite, and I, you know, I am a convi- uh, confirmed, you know, gear hound. I love the gear. Mm-hmm. I love the stuff. And I can have an absolutely horrible day at work. And just because I get to play with cool gear, I still have an okay day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I walked into this edit suite and I was talking with the editor. And I said to her, I said, so, and, and, and I would love to meet this woman again because she really did change my career. And I never, I don't remember her name. And I don't know how to find her. So if anybody knows who this was. Anyway, she worked at SFPG in the mid-90s, mm-hmm. mid to late 90s. And I walked into her edit suite. And she's got, this is old school, right? She's got the big, massive production switcher and the CMX edit controller and the ADO effects device and the Chiron character generator and the big monitors. and only down- things that no, nobody listening knows what they exactly. are. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, so literally, I mean, you know, you always hear the desktop video people saying, you know, this used to happen in a million-dollar room. Mm-hmm. She worked in the million-dollar room. Gotcha. Okay? Yeah. Plug into and, a crazy and, supercomputer to edit least, a clip of video. No, yeah. they didn't use computers. They used a little CMX edit controller. She's oh. she's controlling tape machines oh. down the hall. Oh my goodness! Wow. So um, that was the sound effect of tapes going back and forth. By the way, that for, sounded very much like Three Stooges. By the way, just <laughs> great. <laughs> kind of. And I sent to her, and I'm sitting in the middle of her edit suite, and I said, "So tell me, what's your favorite part of editing?" Now, in my mind, the question was very straightforward. When I said, what's your favorite part of editing? I'm asking her, do you like this piece of gear or that piece of gear or this piece of gear mounted here? I'm a gear nut. Mm -hmm. And I said, which part of editing do you like the the most? And she says, five words that changed my career. She says, I like to tell stories. Yeah. And I was shamed because I... At that point in my career, I was all about let's use more effects and more stuff and you know throw more gear at it. Yeah, and it and it opened my eyes to the fact that ultimately what we do is we tell stories. So you asked the question about you know, did you shoot video? Do you do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to tell stories, but you also have to experience them. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's hard. You know, sometimes you go to a like uh, I've gone to air shows recently and I'm. Behind the camera, trying to get the shot of the planes, you know, doing all the different things, and then you get home, you're like, you know, I don't feel like I went to that air show. <laughs> I, feel oh, like I missed I, it. I just went to work. <laughs> I, I, no, I feel like I experienced it through the lens, which is experiencing it, but you don't feel like you were actually there. Sometimes you got to put the camera in your lap and just yeah. enjoy the moment. Yeah, yeah, or take some shots and then, and you know, immerse yourself in it, and then maybe take a couple more shots. Yeah. So, what, what's next for you guys? What's what's the next adventure? 
I don't know. I don't we, know. we don't know yet. We, I mean, we, literally, we got back like what three, four days ago. Yeah, so you're just enjoying your your home. We're here, trying right? to finish the blog. <laughs> we're trying to finish the last couple days of the blog yeah. and um, making up with the cat for being mad. She was <laughs> mad. The cat was really mad. For, where have you guys been? Yeah. Um. Uh, I know that we had talked about like doing something like going to Tuscany. Mm-hmm. Uh, we might do that in a few years. I do know that one thing. Um, we actually ran out of time on Route 66. We took a month, and we ran out of time. We did the first half of the road. Wow. We actually there, There's a place called Mid, Midway Cafe, mm-hmm. and it's in Adrian, Texas. Mm-hmm. It's in Adrian, Texas. And we got there three weeks into our trip. Wow. You guys were stopping, weren't you? It was the rule. Like, just if you want to stop, how, let's how stop. How long would it take to drive that if you were if you had good home itis and you were just trying to get from point A to point B? I don't know. I think uh, I uh, I know. Uh, well, when we were in Tulsa, our friend that we were staying with, he had to go to California, and uh, he did it in twenty two hours from Tulsa. So that's you know it's going to take you maybe thirty thirty six hours. Yeah, they, uh, they, th- they say that the normal time to allot yourself is ten days. Okay. That would be a normal, I'm going to take a road trip. But you, but if you're going to photograph it, if you're going to do any video or anything like that, you, you're going to have to slow down even more. So what's going to come out of this? I mean, are you going to do, I know the blog is there, but are you going to do a book? Are you going to put something together? What are you, what are you thinking? Uh, you, you know, you probably have terabytes of images and video and stuff. Right? We generated a lot of data, um, which is, you know, another thing to talk about. I mean... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to hear about that and how you met. I want to hear about how you managed all that data. I want to hear about did you have AT and T connectivity throughout the entire journey? <laughs> because you know, I'm as just a matter of fact, we did not. I'm poking fun at AT and T because as I was on my way here to your home, I tried to make a call to you and got cut off. <laughs> so. Well, you know, the AT and T has a, or Verizon rather has those great commercials where you know they they basically make you feel like you know an idiot for buying an AT&T phone. And I'll tell you that there are major portions of the Southwest and the Midwest where we just had nothing. And if you were, you weren't connected. Like you didn't like pull over to the side of the road to, to connect. You were like at your pit stops or the hotels, you would do your blogging and all that stuff. Exactly. So what what was that experience like overall? Well, interestingly enough in the rest of the country, you can get free Wi-Fi almost every place, at least in the hotels, even the smallest motel that we stayed in. It was a place called Munger Moss in Lebanon, Missouri. And, um, it's a very famous uh, place on Route 66. It has a really cool neon, old neon sign that we shot a lot of. But um, even this place at 50 bucks a night has free Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And so we can do that. There were actually a few times, however, where I was editing the blog at you know 45 miles an hour driving down the road by using the Verizon MiFi. Okay. And um, there was another... <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll tell a quick story, mm-hmm. and if you want, you can cut this out. Um, of course, we're I'm not going to cut it out. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm just being polite. <laughs> so we're driving down the road one day. I'm driving. I get a phone call from home. It's a business call. Somebody's got a problem with blah blah blah, whatever. And I'm on the phone answering the question. All of a sudden, my beautiful AT and T phone goes dead. Poof. I was like, oh well. Drop the phone in the lap. Keep driving. About 20 minutes later, Beth says, "Uh, I haven't seen a Route 66 sign in a while. Oops. I think we're lost." And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let's just check the. Uh, you know, the, you know, Apple maps on the iPhone and you go tap, tap, click, click. Oh, wait, we're out of, we're out of service area. Yeah. So it's and interesting. You're, you're near the area where they film the hills have eyes, right? It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's interesting because the little blue dot goes and the little grid underneath like slides, yeah. but it won't draw the map because it doesn't have access to the interwebs. Right. So at that point we pulled out the, the MiFi, we fire that guy up it's, it spits out, you know, five access points for five different computers. The phone logs on. We check where we are. We are, uh, we were 15 miles headed toward Arkansas. And Arkansas is not on Route 66. We were way lost. And we were in the middle of what's called the Mark Twain National Forest. And we, if Beth hadn't said something, we would have ended up like in the Gulf, right? So wow. So the 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 MiFi. So basically, Verizon had a coverage there, and you were able to connect, right? Totally. So if you had a Verizon, say iPhone, you would have been able. To- 
<laughs> he would have been able to connect. Do you know something I don't? I don't know anything. No, but it would be great if there was one of those things. Yeah, I know my brother is uh, has headed up to here with AT and T. The 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 combination of the two. Now I will say, you know, the maps functionality and being able to recalculate routes and do the you know where's the nearest burger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the the MiFi saved the day. I mean, we found out where we were in the. Um, Mark Twain National Forest. Yep. And then we, um, I kind of picked a route to get us back to the road. And of course, Beth, being much wiser than me, is saying, why don't we just turn around and go back on the nice road we drove on? I said, no, 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 let's be a little adventurous. It's the middle of the day. It's good weather. It's perfectly clear. We had gas in the car. We got, yeah, we to- yeah, we did. We had a full tank of gas because we had actually filled up that day, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I go, no, let's go this way. So we go, turn, turn, dirt road. Uh-oh. And I'm like, uh oh! Beware of landmines, kind of road. Yeah. You know this. This actually segues quite nicely into another story. So Beth is fully into geotagging. Loves geotagging her photos, and so I'm like, oh boy, it's going to be a dirt road for a while. And she goes, well, at least when we're done with the day, I'll be able to download the geotag data off of our our little friend that we call Blinky, and uh, we'll. We okay? Yeah. And we'll be able to map out where we got lost. And then she reaches for her little geotagging gizmo, this little fob thing that she wears on her belt loop when she's shooting. Mm -hmm. And Blinky, as we call him, because he blinks, is gone. She. She's gone. (laughs) Blinky knows where he is, but you don't know where Blinky is. Exactly. (laughs) And she's gone. And all of a sudden, we're, we're lost. We're 15, 20 miles off course. Yeah. We're headed toward Arkansas, which is its own problem, and we can't find Blinky. Wow. And so we... Was that the end of Blinky, Beth? Was it? No, we, we found her. Okay. We did it, it, there was a happy ending. There, okay. there is a happy ending, and it's in the blog, and you're more than welcome to read all the details. I will make that a cliffhanger. So you have to go to the blog to find out the, the legend of I, Blinky. I think, I think that day in the blog is called The Death and Resurrection of Blinky. Nice, nice. So, Beth, uh, before we talk about the storage, Chris, I want to the, – the geotagging stuff. Yes. Really interested in that. And I, it seems like there's this leap – between, I know uh, most people who are photographers understand the concept of what geotagging is, mm-hmm. but a lot of us, me included, have not taken the actual leap to doing it because it seems like it's too much trouble. I got to do this. I got to marry this up. I got to bring this file. And does that work here? And what software? What's your What's your general workflow for tagging your photos? Uh, it it is a lot of work. Uh, you have to download the data from the the logger blinky blinky <laughs> and then you have to create a file from that log to import to a third party plugin in my aperture and then marry the data between that and my pictures based on um, time and date okay okay so so you bring everything into aperture and marry it up together and it looks at the the time down to the second of when the particular shot was taken from the metadata marries that up to whatever the geotagging track says you were at this point and yes. then drops a point on the map. Yes. Kind of thing. As cool. long as it's keeping signal with the with the satellite. Okay. Now I know you can do that with your iPhone too. Have you you can I know you can have your the or take a photo with your iPhone and have it store the geotagging information in that phone or yes. in that photo so then you can say every other shot I did in that location yeah. put it here. Yeah. It's they're more co- they're what they call waypoints. It's not mm-hmm. really so it's not tracking um it uh, it doesn't work as good. It's not like I was standing on that piece yeah. of pavement kind yeah. of thing. Is Blinky that accurate that it knows exactly where, or is it just kind of like give or take five hundred feet? You were in this area. Uh, no, it's pretty good. It 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 calculates every five seconds. So okay, gotcha. On on one of the days of the trip, we actually went to a um, a cemetery where some of my ancestors are buried, mm-hmm. and we were looking at the. Blinky's data for that day, and we could see how we were walking all over. Oh, was that the accurate? cemetery? Oh, yeah, wow. okay. all over the cemetery, looking for the the headstones that we eventually found. So, Beth, why why are you tagging? I and mean, what's the what is it? Just his, like historical, or you just want to go back and relive the journey, or what, what's the purpose? It, it, it's just fun. I mean, as I say, it's it's fun, but a little creepy when you do it at, at your house. Mm-hmm. But when you're on vacation, you know, especially if you were over in Europe where you don't know where things are. It's fun to know the exact location of, you know, where did we see that monument? Where did we, you know, stay? That's the reason you do it. 
Yeah. yeah. So Chris is holding up a photo. Or I, I, I'm, hol- I'm holding up my my map in the, on the iPhone, and there's this nice little uh, uh, line of eight thumbtacks across all of the states that we drove, and it's it's cool. You that's, you get to see cool. been you know it's the ultimate been there done that. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Awesome. So you're going to continue doing that? Or are you going to ultimately, I'm sure cameras will have GPS capabilities built into yeah, them? Yeah, hopefully Canon will get on board. Truly, yeah. Canon has to play like the rest of the world. If you're listening from Canon, we do want geotagging. I know that Joseph <laughs> is a big, he he's is. really bummed about this, that it's like built into some of the Nikons. Mm-hmm. And literally, people do want it. You cannot deny yeah. the uh, the usage of it. People are doing it. it Every you know how many million iPhones are out there that all are doing geotagging. Yeah. So, Canon, if you're listening, and I know you are, please give us some sort of cool bitchin' built-in geotagging on the Canon 5D Mark III. And you know? you'd be happy to beta test for them. I would say. I'd buy another camera if they did that. <laughs> yeah, no beta testing. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, pe- people want to do it. it. It's it's a it is. I think it's it, it's. It's got to be useful for other reasons, and, and besides just having the thumbtacks. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're uh, if you're doing a site survey for something and you're trying to figure out, wait, 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 where did I? This is the shot that I want as the background for my video shoot I'm doing next week. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where I was standing yeah, when I took this shot, and yeah. so there, it, it's it's fun and it's useful, and Canon needs to get on board. So let's switch gears to storage. Uh, last thing I want to talk to you about is. You, like we were saying before, you generated a lot of info on this trip. How did you manage that throughout the whole? Did you just like buy gigantic thirty-two gigabyte cards and and no. offload them when you got home, or did you have a workflow when you were in the field? No, I think I think when it comes to data and you know doing professional video, I'm really well versed in dealing with large amounts of data. And um, the best the best way to deal with your data is to segment it. So you don't want giant cards because when that one card goes bad, and eventually it will, you'll lose 32 gigs of data versus me, I'm going to only lose 8 gigs of data. Um, because you are driving so much on a on something like Route 66, you unless you're shooting a bunch of lame pictures out the window, which we shot some of, <laughs> um, you, you're not going to generate that much data. You have a lot of driving to do every day. Um, so we're doing smaller cards, and then nightly we're offing those cards to hard drives. Mm-hmm. We have, and your smaller cards are eight gigs, right? Yeah, we we start when we first started buying the cards. I think the well about eight eight or nine years ago when we bought the first DSLR, we had the little remember the little one gigabyte micro drive. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's yeah. a gig. Yeah, yeah, that failed a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> actually, we had, we had good luck with ours. But um, I we started buying eight. Luck few, should not come into play with memory cards. That's, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I don't like. Am I feeling lucky today? I might get a shot. Yeah. No, so so we off the cards nightly, and we have multiple hard drives. We um, I prefer bus power drives mm-hmm. because. If you lose power in the middle of a big transfer, the laptop will take over and save the day, the the onboard battery in the laptop. Um, We have a couple of MacBook Pros, and Beth is dealing with all of her data management in in Aperture. And when it comes to the digital video, I'm I off my cards in their entirety. Each card gets a folder, you know, day one, day 12, day 30. And then those cards get transcoded to actually do the editing. And that's a whole nother show. I'm sure we can yeah, go yeah. into that, but that's gotcha. So I have I have one hard drive that has the original offed data, and then I have another hard drive that has the transcoded data. So if they were if one or the other were to die, I'm okay. Right. And then when you got back here, when you got back home, what what did you do? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, we have uh, Drobo over here. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's actually. Um, fixing one of its drives right now it's yeah. doing the thing we it, it, it actually very conveniently reminded us when we got home by the way i'm full yeah. feed me more drives right. <laughs> so right. one of the bays started flashing yellow so we put another two terabyte in there and then uh at, at in the work that i do again i mean i do single video edits that chew up five six hundred terabytes uh no wrong number gigabytes yeah. five or six hundred gigabytes of data and that's just one job and so i have a whole system um there which actually i 
kind of outline on my blog also, uh, mm-hmm. chrisfenwick.com. Which, by the way, again, it's chrisfenwick.com. You should definitely check that out because you have a million tips for people that are doing media and production and that There's kind of stuff. There's maybe 20 or 30, but okay. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm exaggerating. Not maybe, maybe Frederick doesn't count so well. A lot. A lot of tips. But you saved my bacon on with with a tip on there. So. Yeah, I, you know, I've been doing that for a long time. Uh, my primary business has been in uh, both um, branding videos, what I like to call corporate image, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Corporate America, we want to look cooler than we really are. Help us. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, training and stuff like that. And that, that's how I actually initially met Joseph about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, working with him at Apple, um, doing uh, their online videos uh, f- for Joseph there. And we know how low their standards are. So they... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, their standards are so high, they don't work with me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know... Uh, so in doing that kind of work, I store gobs of data, and I think I talk about that in one of my tutorials on the website. So cool. there's there's really good, really inexpensive ways to do it if you think about it, um, and uh, it basically involves buying a lot of hard drives, you know? So if you would leave, if you'd want to, both of you guys, if you'd want to leave the uh, This Week in Photography audience with one tip on domestic travel or one one or two things that you learned that you didn't know before you left in terms of what to do as a photographer that's meandering along the country or through the country on Route 66 or otherwise, what would it be? Well, I'd say... Um, and your next, Beth, will be thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that from a, from a Route 66 point, and you, you specifically mentioned meandering, Give yourself time. I think that just, you know, this is not a photography tip. This is a life tip. But we, our lives are busy and our lives are filled with a million things to do. And one of the most pleasurable things about what we did on Route 66, especially that first half, is we really took our time. Um, In terms of what we want to do next, we're going to do the second half again. And frankly, I'd love to do it with some other photographers. I think it would be a real gas to get out so what there. So what would that be like before we get to Beth's tip? But what would that be like? Um, I would say uh, it would be it would be quite interesting. It, it's being we were just, just to couch it, because we were, we were talking off mic about the potential of maybe doing a uh, some sort of organized journey that you would put together and we'd get a bunch of people um, or TWIP listeners or whomever <clears throat> together. <clears throat> Excuse me together and organize a pilgrimage from Chicago back to Los Angeles. So yeah, describe it, what you were talking it about. It might be hard to do the whole the whole road. Mm-hmm. Um, I just Cuz not many people have a month. No, <laughs> no. I mean I I I'm an independent contractor. I call my own shots, so I I have the ability to do that. Um, but certainly, you know, the American Southwest is very picturesque. It's very beautiful. It has all the tie-ins to the Cars movie, um, which has a lot of romance in it and stuff. And uh, you could do that. I would love to see us, you know, fly out to either um, Flagstaff or maybe even go as far out as, as um, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it'd probably take about a week. And I would see it as, uh, you know, a bunch of photographers in a van or maybe a couple of, you know, large, you know, minivans or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you drive and shoot and shoot and drive and then you pull over. You know, another thing that was interesting about the way we traveled, and I don't know that you could pull this off with a large group, but, but frankly, you almost could. We did the entire month without any reservations. We did not book any hotel rooms ahead of time. Sounds like Anthony Bourdain, no reservations. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we'd pull into a town and we'd say, I'm tired. I don't want to drive anymore. Let's stay. That'll do. Yeah. Now, it's easier to get a room when there's only the two of you. be a little bit more difficult with 10 or 20 people. But, you know, most of these towns have have a real desire to serve the people that are coming through them. And... You know, they they want the business. And it's a shame that there are a lot of tour companies that take people on, quote-unquote, Route 66, and they really don't let them stay in the towns. Yeah. You know? And so that's... kind of look at it on your way by. Yeah, you so want... Let's, let's do this. So if, if 
folks that are listening to this, if you're interested in maybe doing something like that, a Route 66 or Route 66, however, whatever side of the country you're from. Root beer. Um, root beer 66. Um, make a quick comment on the uh, on the post or on the on the blog post. If you're listening to this through iTunes, head over to This Week in Photo. Dot com and uh, just make a quick comment on the uh, in the post or the comment area down at the bottom there. And with that, I know Beth thought she was off the hook because, <laughs> but I very rarely forget. <laughs> so, what what one or two tips would you give folks that are that are contemplating doing some sort of involved road trip like this? Uh, just to remember to meander and to um, to not only get out and take pictures at you know, random places, but to also, um, to meet the people that are there. Okay. Yeah. Make sure you, you actually engage with the, uh, the locals. Yeah. The locals. Yeah. It's not as scary as you might think. Yeah. They're wonderful people. Very cool. Well, both of you, thanks for taking the time out of your Saturday, the, the day before the 4th of July here in the United States to, uh, to chat about your journey and congratulations on your journey. It's, uh, I'm jealous again. <laughs> so cool. That was, uh, that was Beth and Chris Fenwick. And Chris, where are you at again? What's your What's your blog? Uh, my blog is chrisfenwick.com, and there's uh, video tutorials there. And you know, if you ever get stuck on something, especially video related, feel free to send me an email. And he does respond. You've done it, and yeah. I've actually made custom tutorials for you. Yep. And then I'm also on Twitter at you know twitter.com/slash/chrisfenwick. Okay. And Beth, where are you at online? Uh, BethFenwick.com, and if you're interested in the uh, Route 66 blog, it's BethFenwick.com slash Route 66. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. That's it for this episode of This Week in Photo. Between shows, you can always keep up with us on our website at twiplog.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash This Week in Photography or on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash This Week in Photo. And if you'd like to check in on me, you can do so at my blog, frederickvan.com or on Twitter under the username Frederick Van. And with that, it's time to take that lens cap off. This Week in Photography is a Pixelcore.tv production produced by Suzanne Llewellyn with technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamankar. Content contributor is Eric Horton. 